Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. I am Becky, and joining me for this episode is Leah. Hi, Leah. Hi, Becky. Um, so I picked this title this time because I saw it was trending on the Amazon charts, and luckily you had read it already. I did because I came across a Tiki Talk that like it drew me in and so then I pulled Aaliyah and I went I downloaded it and then I went to that specific scene I was like oh let me read the book um this was my first book by this author had you read this author previous um I have I actually read the other Lasker brothers okay which is the previous books in the series so on this quick shot of romance we are reading contractually yours by Nadia Lee uh, we'll mm-hmm. link the synopsis of this book and our on-the-shelf show notes at buzzingaboutromance.com. Uh, Leah, give us the breakdown. Okay, so this book was released May 18th, 2023. The tropes are marriage of convenience, childhood crutch, enemies to lovers, age gap, billionaire, alpha hole. It is a slow burn. They kind of are opposites attract. Um, it is from the Lasker Brothers book three. Um, it is a series of standalones. It is dual first person point of view and the put out percentage is 48%. Um, and there is a third act breakup because Sebastian has to even the scales. And if you read the book, you'll understand what that means. Um, we're going to get to that because I got thoughts. <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about our hero first. Because Okay, so guys, just so we're clear, this was a three-star read. Mm-hmm. So this review is going to be a little bit more critical. Oh, but- because there's a couple things that I, everything was there to make yeah. this a four or five-star read for us, right? Mm-hmm. And it-, it just fell a little flat just fell flat and so part of the reason that we picked to do this quick shot is because we need to figure out why this fell flat and so what you are going to come up against here is a typical conversation about a book that we have six seven times a week over the phone yeah because um on a typical quick shot we don't always talk about those books so we don't love yeah and so but i did becky and i break them down a lot when we're FaceTiming yeah. every day. I didn't hate this. I just am still kind of like, huh? Yeah. Well, in having read the other books in the series, like I felt the same way. And I and I keep going back to them because I'm like, maybe this will be the one that really draws me and really like makes me like excited at the end of it. Because they, they are well-written books. They're well-written. They're well-edited. And Mm -hmm. the pacing is fine. There isn't a pacing issue. There are no, I didn't see, like in this book in particular, because this is the only one I read, Mm -hmm. I didn't, there weren't any giant plot holes that were left open. And there wasn't any pieces that I was kind of like, where'd that come from? But you're left wanting more. Well, so let's talk about Sebastian, because this is something, these are a couple of things that have come up. Um, so first I want to talk, his character is incredibly inconsistent. He's, he's kind of all over the page. Like it was the place. It was very like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or whatever it is. Well, it's almost, it's almost as if the author wasn't sure how to write him. And so she kind of picked a couple of different 
things because he does not want to get married. He does not want to marry Luce. Like he is very against the whole thing. Like he has this whole revenge plot, but then he is incredibly jealous, like over the top jealous. And in a lot of times, crazy amounts of intense um, possessiveness. Mm-hmm. But I think part of it is, is he's manipulated by his family into this contract for marriage. Yeah. He's supposed to be this incredibly smart businessman running the family empire. It did, it did not make sense to me mm-hmm. how he would be so easily manipulated by his family. Well... And the fact, because, like, so the basis of, like, his family is his dad is this movie star who, like, Big basically time producer. Yeah. Produ- yeah, producer. But basically impregnated, like, six or seven women all at the same time. So, like, he has multiple brothers, and they're all around the same age. Yeah. And so they hate his, they hate the dad. They hate the dad. But, like, but they won't cut the dad off. Like, he still shows up. Like, they have this weird relationship with him. Yeah. And his mother's family owns this jewelry company that's mm-hmm. like a Tiffany's or Cartier high-end yeah. jewelry company, Diamonds, yeah. um, and has an international footprint. Mm-hmm. Our heroine, um, and he's running the jewelry company, but he's also been really smart and made other investments. And he runs the family jewelry company just because he has a passion for it. But it's he has mm-hmm. other monies. He doesn't doesn't need the money from the diamond company right um and our heroine lucine lucine um we call her they call her loose in the book um she has her family her grandfather her maternal grandfather owns a competing jewelry company that mm-hmm. is European based. So like if yeah. Tiffany's is US based, Cartier is the European based. Yeah. And um all of the and family she wants, she wants to make it more and basically merge these two relationships. Right. Business and, relationships. And she's kind of um under this umbrella of old world thinking. From her her grandfather has passed, her mother has passed, and the money is hers. But she's like twenty five or twenty six in the book. She's pretty young, but the, and the but there's conditions to things, right? So she can't run the company. Her father is her um, regent, basically. He rules everything. Her war mm-hmm. or her guardian or something. Yeah, it's strange. It is very strange, but it has to do with where the grandfather had incorporated the company. Mm-hmm. In a certain country and their old world views. <sighs> well, and it's one it's of those weird. things where like, he, I mean, he's kind of a trash person and he doesn't treat her well. Like she's smart. She knows what she's doing. She has studied. But, but is at she the same smart? Time, I think she is smart, but I think that she has been so smothered and not in a good way. That she, she does not trust the fact that she is capable of doing things. But like she knows the business and she studied it, but she's so insecure. So she, her mother and father, it was her father's second marriage. 
-hmm. He married her mother after the mother got pregnant. They had had an affair or something. Mother got pregnant. They get married. To the Mm -hmm. marriage, he brings these two older stepchildren who are complete trash. And he wants the family wealth and they act like they get access to the family wealth. But really, everybody gets their family wealth through her and her trust. Because mm-hmm. the grandfather left all the money to lose. They, he, she didn't leave it to the mother that it then went on to this husband. Instead, it went to loose directly. And but not really, though, at the same time. No, but her, sibling, her step-siblings are trash. Her mm-hmm. father is trash. And yeah. she continually just lets them get away with things. Like, there were so many times in this book, especially even to Sebastian and some of the shit he pulls, mm-hmm. I wanted her to stand up for herself, to yeah. have a temper tantrum. You can be a princess and, you know, wave kindly from the corner, but at some point you have a right to throw the glass vase at somebody's fucking head. Well, and I think I think part of the problem is, like, with her, the way the character was written... Like, supposedly she's this party girl who, like, makes really bad decisions and, like, she's in the tabloids, but that's not really who she is. But she never corrects anything. Like, she just lets people think the worst of her. She allows them to think that she is this airheaded nincompoop who doesn't know, like, left from right. And I think that's the big thing. Like, I, she just lets everyone crap on her like she doesn't get a backbone until like the end of the book but it started but it's to feel like a backbone but it started to feel like incompetence almost too stupid to live vibes almost yeah but i think it's just because she's been so there's nobody who's ever put her first there's nobody yeah. who's who's ever like built her up and gave her like you're doing a great job like it's always what she should do differently or what she can do for them. Like it's always, there's always conditions to everything in her life. And I think like her entire life, she's just waiting for people to disappoint her. Yeah. And I struggled with that because you have that on top of the two faces of Sebastian. Mm -hmm. It just never was there a moment when they were absolutely together that I was like, okay, this is where they're meant to be. This is the person Mm -hmm. they're with. Because it just felt like everything was on unstable ground. Like a, you know, like a balancing, balancing on a ball. At any moment, Mm -hmm. it's going to tip one way or the other. And you're not sure if it's the wind or if the ground moved or you moved or what. And it created this kind of wobbly reading. I see well, there's also this like underlying like revenge plot for Sebastian where he's like, uh, like, she's making me marry her. So I'm going to get back at her and like steal the one thing that like is important to her. Um. So before I get into this, though, I want to do say I do hate when an author writes trope of basically and this is a micro trope mm-hmm. um, that everybody hates the female character. That no matter what room she comes into, everybody in the room hates her. And it's only the hero that sees the good in her or the people outside the room that see her for who she is. And that, that bugs me. Mm-hmm. That bugs me. Um, and, well, it, and it bugged me a lot in this book. Well, and the fact that like she doesn't really have friends. Like she has work colleagues. She has her assistant who is her best friend. Bianca. Supposedly who's also kind of a trash person like when you think about it like i didn't like her from the get-go i didn't either like 
Well, okay, so has... let's talk about the writing style a little bit because that plays into Bianca. Mm-hmm. So there was, this book is an absolutely the author telling us everything instead mm-hmm. of showing us. Yeah. To the point that it was wooden mm-hmm. and predictable. Yeah. Like I was waiting for what happened to happen. But it was one of those things where like there was no... There wasn't a lot of, like, uh, like, there's just so much, this, this is what he did. He moved his left hand slowly to her. Like, there was no, like, the way in which it was described was very clinical. Yeah, almost. there was no surprises. There wasn't a ton of emotion. And there wasn't anything outstanding. There was never. Although, until, like, the the thing with the, the brothers, like, when that happened. Like, I felt like. I that was... part of the story, like I, you got like Luce's heartbreak, but that was like one scene. I will say the in the pantry with her stepbrother. Mm. Yeah, that was a very intense moment, and yeah. like I thought, okay, this is we're going. She's gonna stand up. He's gonna come in, yeah. and yes, no, and then you were let down. And then there's this whole revenge plot, and like. I could have forgiven the best friend had it been linked to the coworker, former love interest. Like she mm-hmm. was being manipulated because again, how do you allow someone to be in your life for so long that hates you and you never pick up on it? Like how dumb are you? Yeah. Um, okay. But in the revenge plot, he, okay. Here's my biggest struggle with this whole book. <laughs> In the resolution, there's a lot going on. He grovels. He does a really great grovel. He does. He does grovel well. But even in the end, all of the victories that should have been hers were really his, and they Mm -hmm. were contributed to him, and not to her. And I'm going to be honest. That made me a little fucking ragey, Mm -hmm. because she deserved to have all the credit she shouldn't have had to have him stand up and say she should be allowed back in the company she never should have been out of the company that's the thing like she never should have lost in the first place because she proved like like through this book like she was capable she was able she she was not a dummy like she knew what she was doing like she had good ideas and then it was like well it's too late now Sorry, friend. She only gets resolution. She only gets things because he allowed it to happen. Mm -hmm. He did magic to make it happen for her. And I I wanted her to go after it herself. I wanted those victories for her. And instead, and and in in a part, it makes sense. Because in this book, she is inundated with neglect and hate and mm-hmm. I felt bad for her and sadness. Like she must have been the characters written with some overwhelming sadness in her character arc. Mm-hmm. But she never stands up for herself. No. Because even even when the whole revenge thing like comes to a head, like she basically is like, okay, you win. Like I'm out. Yeah. Like there was nothing. Like you felt that, like you felt like her turmoil and you felt her heartbreak. But even after that, like she didn't do anything about it. She was just like, okay. And we didn't talk. Like he wins. Like he wins. He wins. And we didn't talk 
they actually had a meet cute when she was 13 or 14. And mm-hmm. it's not a meet cute. They had a happenstance. Well, a moment. A a moment. It's in the prologue. Um, she was in Paris with her family. He was in Paris on business. And she, they run into each other. And he kind of mm-hmm. protects her and cares for her and gets her home. And he leaves behind something with her. And in their dark moment, she finally confesses that mm-hmm. she's the girl from Paris. Yeah. And it's this big moment that has defined her. What little backbone she has was from that moment in Paris, the evening, the scales. Yeah. But outside of that prologue, in that one issue where she fesses up and she doesn't even vocalize it. Mm-hmm. There's no other story points, plot pieces that bring up the Paris meeting, other than evening the other scales. Than he doesn't, well, and like, he, and other than like, he doesn't remember me. Like, he doesn't know who I am. Yeah. Like she, she talks about it, but like they never like have a conversation, like after she so, tells him. So in the beginning of the episode, I said there were no plot holes. I guess there is this one. Well, the significance of Paris. Yeah. But I mean, she talks about it, but it's not a conversation between the two of them. And I think that's the big thing. Like, it's not really a plot hole is more of a, you wanted more out of that resolution. Like you wanted him to have a better, a different reaction to like the coat. I just think that it would have helped us solidify their HEA. Because in Mm -hmm. the end, what's going to make the four or the five star read for me is that you solidified that HEA that I believe nothing is going to break it. Again, I shouldn't need an epilogue for you to convince me of this. Yeah. And this book needed like 12 epilogues. Yeah. Really, she needed to run away to Paris and fuck him and get rid of him because I was kind of mad about it. Mm hmm. I mean, he does grovel well. I he will give her did that. grovel well. And he deserved a second chance. I'm not saying he didn't deserve a second chance. I just hate that what should have been her victories mm-hmm. were his. Yeah. I just wanted more for her. So I'm not interested in reading the other brother characters. You read the other brothers. Mm-hmm. Do, will They're you... Very- I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to read more because it's all been very similar in like the writing style. Just, it doesn't pull me in. Like I haven't, there's just always something about these characters, like the characters in these books. I'm like, I want more from them. Like, well, I feel like you, like you could get more depth and you could get more substance to the characters. And I, we're just, it's very surface. Yeah. So here's my question to our listeners. Nadia Lee has always her books when they release, they sit on top of it, the Amazon charts mm-hmm. often. And these are Kindle Unlimited books. So people are reading these. I mean, she mm-hmm. has a following. If you have a Nadia Lee book that is your favorite, that you think is exceptional, that doesn't have any big glaring problems, or is so you just think that this HEA is one of the best HEAs you've ever read. Please send us that title. I would like to give her another chance, but Mm -hmm. I am very hesitant walking in because there were so many things in this book that I was just like, I'm going to throw my fucking Kindle. I'm just mad. Yeah. I I will say I did 
I skipped around a little bit. Like I did not read the book in order. I I did one of those things where I just jump around <laughs> because I just I couldn't control myself with this book. So I was like, <laughs> so I started and then I went. Like I started with like the piece that I saw on the TikTok and then I went back to the beginning and then I went to the end and I went back to like chapter six or something. And then I, I jumped around. I read the whole book. I just did not read it in order. You're insane. And that is a toxic trait, people. It is my toxic trait when it comes to books that I will read an entire book. I just may not read it in the correct order. Oh my God, you're insane. Anyway, hey, Leah, thanks for hanging out and talking about contractually yours with me. It's always a good time to talk about books. Always. Always. Um, Until next time, everyone. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes. 